0: Welcome to The Wasted Years, the podcast where touring musicians tell stories about life on the road. This is your host, Aaron Seamer. I've been a musician for over 20 years, and I've slept in strangers' hotel rooms, disgusting couches, the front seats of vans, and roadside ditches. I've been robbed, cheated, stiffed, and flashed, and usually for very little money. And if you're a touring musician, I bet you know what I'm talking about. This is The Wasted Years. like a, I feel like that's to me the failure in um, like Pandora yeah I don't know if you've ever tried to
1: I've listened to Pandora
0: Pandora and it drives me insane because I, I hate most music basically yeah I, know, I do I too I really can't <laughs> fucking stand most music and uh. like I like maybe like at, at most on a good day like 5% of music in the world and I listen to a band I really like on Pandora and then they think because I like that band I'm gonna like this other band because they're the same genre, or something, yeah. and it's like, well, no, I don't like this band because they're that genre. I like these very particular, like you know, melodies and harmonics that they're creating, and you have just forced me to listen to Bush or something. Exactly. Um, uh, which is not what I'm into. <laughs> so I, I, I
1: don't tend to like things that are really genre specific either. No, me, there's me, there's, me neither, yeah. there's a sort of there, there's bands that tend to straddle genres that I that I much prefer over over. Here's a doom band. I, I would never listen to something... Right. Here's a doom band. I just... Yeah. I'm not going to listen to that. Or whatever. There, here's, here's a thrash band. Or, you know... Here's an emo band. I, I just... Like, that. Especially when... You know, whatever that band happens to be actually is. This is a doom band. Or this is... You know... Yeah. I, d- I just can't get excited That's about That
0: stuff... Whenever a, a band is just... I feel like they're trying to fit... A genre over being a band. It, it always. I, I, I never really respond to that. I usually feel like the bands that start genres are always like phenomenal, and then most of the bands that come after them are like lesser and lesser versions of <laughs> whatever it was that band did
1: initially. I mean, as was, as was called a drone band all the time, but there is no fucking way As was a drone.
0: No, band. I wouldn't say that either. I assume that's just because you are connected to Burning Witch and, and Sun.
1: Sun I consider a drone band. Burning Witch, I don't consider a drone band. Burning Witch is maybe a doom band, but at the time, it certainly
0: yeah. wasn't. But Asva completely different from that. It, it is. It's a it's a different breed altogether. So this is your host Aaron, and I'm here in my house in the Central District, and I am speaking to. Actually, I forgot before I started. <laughs> I should. I see that you list your name as G Stewart a lot. Yeah. Is that your your professional moniker is that what you want to go by or
1: <laughs> I usually go by Stuart but George is my actual first name
0: yeah and that's how you are in credits usually as G, G Stewart G yeah Stewart. okay
1: I don't use George yeah, yeah. The, the police will
0: use George yeah right <laughs> um, so this is this is your host Aaron and we're here in my house in the central district and today I have a very special guest Stuart Dahlquist, with me Stewart has performed in uh, I feel like I say this a lot on These podcasts, but truly some of my favorite bands, and uh, I guess I'm fortunate in that I've 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 always meant that whenever I've said that on the podcast, I've never (laughs) never been blowing smoke up anybody's ass so far. But I'm only uh, six. Podcast in right now, but um, yeah, Stuart is here. And Stuart uh, started out performing with Burning Witch and uh, moved on to Goat Snake, and or maybe was Sun before Goat Snake. Sun was before Goat Snake. Sun, and then Goat Snake. And uh, we, I got connected with Stuart through a mutual friend to do this podcast, and um, very excited to have him here. And uh, I guess uh, for people listening that might not know. The history of any of these bands. Um, the first time that I saw Sun, I had never heard them before, and I just went to see them live. And I, um, I you weren't playing with them at that point, but I, but you're a part of the musical history that brought us to uh, where we are now. I guess I would say, and um, I just, I, I didn't even know that like what they were doing with music was possible until I saw them live. And then, kind of through that, started going back and looking at some of the bands that informed that sound, which you were a part of with Burning Witch and, and Sun and I just you know whenever I see somebody doing something that truly I feel like truly is a, a new direction it's just it, it's kind of amazing that that can still even happen I feel like in the world and, and uh, you guys have done some awesome stuff so
1: <laughs> well I haven't I've been uh, a member of that band for a long time but yeah, the, first, yeah. the first two records I, I was pretty influential I guess as far as what happened on those first two albums
0: yeah and i mean yeah and it's more like the first band burning which spawned off in multiple directions one of which is your projects and one of which is yeah. sun and um it's just uh, i feel like that was maybe the impetus for like this kind of a almost a birth of a new thing in a lot of ways that that is really yeah. cool um
1: yeah i agree it's funny I, I don't listen to very much of it but uh it's definitely been a major major influence on the stuff that I'm doing with ASVA in particular.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: just the whole... Um.
0: I don't listen to a lot of sun at home myself either, but I, uh, um, it's, it's the a, live it's experience. It's a challenging listen. It's the live sure. experience that really got to me, and, and I hear the, the, some of those echoes and notions in and, and what I've been listening to of ASVA recently. So Cool. Yeah. Anyway, that's my spiel. Um, well, one of the,
1: one of the things that, that a lot of people don't know is that that prior to Burning Witch, I was in a band called Hungry Crocodiles here in Seattle, um, which, and Hungry Crocodiles led directly into Burning Witch. Okay. Um, it's kind of, a, kind of a long long story. Uh, 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 well, no, it's not long. It was very fast. I just ran into Greg and Steve at a bar, and the next thing you know, we were at my car shop up here on Capitol Hill playing, and that was, <laughs> that was where Burning Witch came from.
0: Anyways. Nice. Um, how old were you guys then? Fuck,
1: I don't know. How old was I? Yeah, 30-ish, something. Okay. Was it that long? Nah, I don't know, 32. I don't know how old I was. But um, prior to prior to Burning Witch, I had this band called Hungry Crocodiles. Uh, three of the guys in that band, myself included, are actually in Broca now. Oh, okay. Um, we've known each other for a long time. Since I've known the guitar players since 1970. Five maybe uh-huh. a long time since we were kids
0: yeah anyways i didn't know that was the history of brokaw
1: cool well yeah brokaw has, <laughs> has a pretty long history and, mm-hmm. and and we've we've all played in various bands together on and off over the last 30 years but hungry crocodiles was a band that uh didn't actually do anything but almost did and this little tour thing that i'm gonna uh-huh. talk about was related to that we had um Playing in Seattle, we had a big, big following, huge following. Had a lot of fun, and just, just we're basically going crazy. And the- we had, we had uh, um, been courted by a bunch of record labels, and MCA finally decided to sign us, and to to a, a record deal that amounted over the course of seven albums to a little over a million dollars. It was a big record deal, and they flew us down to L.A. and gave us a van and hotel rooms and all that stuff. And the next morning we were supposed to go over to, uh, to MCA and sign our contracts. And we, uh, that night we went out and we got super, super trashed, super trashed, out of control trashed. And we got into this rental van to uh, drive back to our hotels. And I can't remember if I was driving or who was driving, but we had to piss and we pulled over on the side of some road in Hollywood and there was a mattress. <laughs> We all we all pissed on this mattress, uh-huh. and then the drummer at the time was this guy called called uh, Terry Maloney, who's still in Seattle and still a great drummer, really good drummer. Um, Terry, after we'd all peed on this thing, grabs this mattress and throws it onto the roof of the van. <laughs> and we start driving again, and we're kind of looking behind the van, waiting, you know, it doesn't fall off. so. I want to say I was driving, but I may have been in the passenger seat, I'm not sure. But anyways, the brakes were hit, the mattress went over the top of the van and landed in front of it, (laughs) and we continued going and drove right over the top of it, Yeah. and we're still looking out the back of the van, waiting for it to come out, and it never did, and pretty soon we're we're right on Sunset Boulevard, (laughs) and all these sparks and smoke start coming out, and the fucking thing had caught on fire (laughs) 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 underneath there. (laughs) <laughs> and uh somehow we got it out. I I don't know how, but but we got that thing out and left it burning on the side of, of uh, Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> right in like I mean right in the middle of everything, just this burning mattress. Burning piss burning peace stunk <laughs> mattress right there. And uh we went back to our hotel rooms and smashed them. I mean we destroyed those hotel rooms. You guys
0: are like, we're gonna be rock stars. And Fuck just, yeah, <laughs> man! We
1: were, we were, we were, we were there, man. It was, we were right there, and uh, we're smashing the hotel. And for some reason, they, we had two rooms, and they put us on either side of some poor couple who were between our two rooms, oh, and God. we were just breaking things and everything else. <laughs> and the next morning, we managed to get up and get to MCA, and we got to MCA Records, and. They greeted us at the door and said, "What are you doing here?" We said, "Well, we're 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 here to sign a contract." And they said, "What are you talking about? This is this is Sony now." And Sony had bought MCA that morning and fired everybody, and we lost our deal. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so you got uh,
1: we got nothing out of it. Plane tickets in it a van, yeah. and a
0: hotel room out of it.
1: We did. We did. <laughs> Yeah, and and that story about amateurs. Well,
0: yeah, it's better than nothing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, so, then and, and the crocodiles con- continued on for several years. Yeah, no, maybe not that long, two or three years, something like that. And then, um,
0: uh, what type of music was Hundred Hungry Crocodiles? It yeah.
1: was like heavy funk, kind of uh-huh. um, early Chili Peppers sort of yeah, vibe, yeah, I okay. guess. sort of started falling apart and burning witch was birthed
0: how did man that's kind of amazing that you just met uh greg and um steven and just started burning witch after that well i'd known greg
1: for a long time um yeah okay. okay and and they they had had um uh thor's hammer had been going on for a little while and and Mm -hmm. was kind of in a hiatus or something like that i'm not sure what was happening with it but we were up at what's now new Mose and i can't remember what it was called maybe it was just mo's at the time it was mo's Mo's, and that was that was just down the block from my i had a auto restoration shop down there down Mm -hmm. in the basement there i met them there one night and i had my gear set up at at the shop so we just walked back to the shop and started playing and i was already used to tuning down um Mm and that was that was the beginning of Burning Witch was right wow. then
0: just improvising
1: pretty much yeah. yeah yeah just making noise and having fun really I mean, we, were, we were all pretty drunk um,
0: that's pretty humble beginnings I guess <laughs> for something that grew into what it is today
1: well believe me it didn't become what it is today with because we did any shows or anything like that we did
0: yeah
1: I mean we played only a handful of shows yeah you know the record came out and and we were we we were done playing by the time the the Slap a Ham record came out mm-hmm. and um they, they we were talked into doing two shows and we did one in San Francisco and one in LA and that was the end of it um and then the the Southern Lord thing came up after that and yeah you know Southern Lord I, I think in a lot of ways became what it is because of Largely because of Burning Witch and what a band that was in Sun, of course, and
0: the seeds were planted in any, like in any event is what it kind of <laughs> feels like, I guess.
1: Yeah, um, I, I don't think any of us quite realized. Maybe Steve O'Malley knew knew what it was more than anyone else did, but I didn't. I mean, for me, it was just it was a lot of fun, and I I loved writing that stuff. I mean, it uh-huh. was it just came so easily. There's nothing to it whenever we whenever we run into a you know some type of an obstruction as far as you know where we want to go with this song our our whole criteria was lower, just play the note lower <laughs> just go and, lower. And, and go a little bit slower wow. and i mean now nowadays the that the burning Witch stuff isn't slow at all. it feels fast to me, yeah, actually, yeah. but um yeah. back then, man it, it felt like a real crawl,
0: but was that nine ninety five
1: we got together in about ninety five and finished the second the second record by i think ninety seven was it mm-hmm. um yeah that was that would have been it
0: and uh, I just was looking up stuff today about that stuff and i, I didn 't know you you guys recorded with Albini until I read that today but
1: we did was um, that just
0: a matter of like i mean I know other people that have gone to record with them did you did you guys have a connection there or was it just a matter of getting in touch and being like we want to record with you and
1: well, kind of both. I had a connection through Silkworm. My my brother Michael okay. was was in Silkworm, and they oh, they did okay. a lot of recordings with with uh, Albini. And I'd wanted to do a recording with Albini largely because I was freaking out on this band called uh, Dazzling Killmen that I just the sound of. I don't uh, know that. Oh, 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 hold on to your hat when you do. <laughs> Nick Killman. Nick Sakes okay. I think is one of the greatest dudes in the world. Oh, okay, he has a new band called Zadix. It's kick-ass. Anyways. No, they were... He, Steve was recording Bush at Abbey Road, and uh, Michael, my brother, recommended that I just call him at Abbey Road, and so I did. And and I said, Steve... He was got recording this, Bush? He was recording Bush. I never fucking
0: knew that.
1: Wow, <laughs> yeah. okay. So anyways, I, I just cold-called him yeah. at, at Abbey Road, and I said, Steve, I've got this... I'm You know, this. I'm Stuart, I'm Michael's brother, and I've, I've got this band called Burning Witch, and I was thinking maybe you might record us and he said, Well I'm gonna be flying home in a month or so. I'll uh I'll stop in Seattle for a few days and you guys get the studio and I'll I'll come and record you and he did.
0: Oh wow. So, so you didn't you did it in Seattle with
1: Did it in now, Seattle but... at a uh, Robert Lang's place.
0: I was gonna say not in, at, at Electric his... Audio, but electric audio wasn't even around at that time, was it?
1: It was. Oh, okay. um, but it wasn't it wasn't the same building that it is okay. now. Okay. And and I was never there in the in the early days. I never saw it. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember reading somewhere it was like this crazy network of tunnels and he would be upstairs and he would be downstairs and I don't know how it worked <laughs> but I I never saw that I have been uh-huh. to electrical subsequently but but uh-huh. not this
0: time okay
1: yeah it just happened to be flying back to Chicago and did it cool cheaply too it was that wow that uh we were we were with him for three days and I think I think he charged us uh, six hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. And he must just have been done, that
0: bush money. That it must have been. It must have
1: been rolling on the bush cloud or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways. Um, but I do have a burning witch story. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we, re- we actually really didn't tour, or, I mean, not enough to call a tour. Mm-hmm. Um, that band that I was just talking about, Hungry Crocodiles, had been booked up at a place called Jimmy Z's in, in uh, Everett that's still there.
0: I'm going to say that name sounds familiar to me for some a, reason. It's a hole. Okay.
1: Place is awful. Anyways, crocodiles in been booked there, and the crocodiles, for one reason or another, couldn't do it. So what I did was uh, instead of bringing hungry crocodiles, I I dragged Burning Witch up there. Um <laughs>
0: yeah. Picturing it in Everett. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and and
1: the crowd there was a, there was a good sized crowd there, not packed, but couple of hundred people, I'm I'm Uh sure, something like that, and, uh, boy, Burning Witch came out, and we played, maybe, maybe we were 30 seconds into our set, and it was just the most massive exodus of people I've ever seen, just, I mean, the place could have been on fire or something, it was just like, everybody left.
0: Did you guys do any theatrics with your shows? So you weren't, like, painted up or anything?
1: Oh, Steve and uh, Edgy used to, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they were they were kind of into the <laughs> edgy in particular had had this really fucked up version of cor- of corpse paint that was just I mean he he at the time really kind of already looked sort of dead because <laughs> um, he was just so gaunt and and I mean he was he was really messed up he did a lot of quite a bit of drugs back then mm-hmm. um, he's completely clean now and is actually in amazing shape um, but at the time he was he was very uh, Wiry, freaky dude.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, intense as hell. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we play. Nobody likes us. They actually unplug us. Oh, after, it, it, we couldn't have played for two minutes. <laughs> <clears throat> they pulled the plug on us, shut the lights off, shut the PA down, and that was the end of the night. There was one guy who actually was in that crowd who s- stuck it out for the, you know, all five minutes. I think we played without our without the PA for about five minutes, and then just were like, fuck it. Yeah. Well, the the club, of course, didn't want to pay us, and uh, so I was arguing with the with the bouncer. And back then, I was I I, I was not as uh, I was pretty cocky, mm-hmm. and and um, I I would get myself in trouble sometimes and pick fights that I that I shouldn't and stuff like that. And anyways, I was I was really uh, getting into it with this this doorman trying to get at least gas money, you know, or something like mm-hmm. that, twenty bucks or whatever, right? Which they wouldn't give us. Well, while I'm arguing with him at the podium, our friend Ron, Ron Gardapi, who who great dude, Ron would would go to a he went to every single show. He always went to the sh- went to the Burning Wish shows. He was just into it. Uh-huh. And uh, while I'm arguing with this dude, Ron reached behind that podium and grabbed this huge roll of keys, big key ring, like like that. I mean, like <laughs> like, like about a hundred keys or something. Yeah, yeah, massive amount of keys. <laughs> maybe not 100 keys but but surely 30 ron takes him and uh, me and this guy started arguing or stopped arguing we're just like you know fuck you man yeah. he's like get the fuck out of you piece of shit fucking van sucks blah 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 yeah. whatever and so ron said, ron says all right let's go hurry up and and we all go running out to the van and ron's like look what i got he's got this whole <laughs> roll of keys and we just took off the master and key it, it, well as it turns out it was And we're, we're driving down the freeway and like every mile mile marker we'd throw another key out the window and another key out the window and we, we chucked them all out all of them they were gone and uh, I got back home and um, this is before anybody had cell phones yeah. and, and I get back home and on my message machine there's half a dozen messages from that club you know you fuckers bring us back our keys man they were so how did they know you had them I have no idea. They just assumed. They just assumed. <laughs> I, I have no idea, but uh, it turns out we had the keys to their doors, to their safe, to their to their liquor cabinets, to their cars, like every, every single key they had. I mean, if they would have given us the 40 bucks, they, they would have <laughs> saved them, you know, $2,000 in locksmith They probably keys. thought
0: you guys were going to rob them or something too, and you had just checked the keys all out. Of the window. That's great. <laughs> Oh, uh, did anything ever come of it? Uh, no, they never they paid ignored. us, and we never
1: gave them the keys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was That was it. Anyways, <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Me and Ron were talking about that the other night. I'm like, oh, fuck that's the That's the Burning Witch story. That's the good one. I think, anyways.
0: It's the very notion of Burning Witch showing up unexpectedly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> At yeah. At a bar in Everett is just pretty hilarious to me in the first place. Um, I could... Easily see that not going over well.
1: It it went over worse than <laughs> well. We we did. It, it, I mean, every show that band did, there was always some kind of weird altercation. Always, <laughs> there was. We played in Olympia at this weird. We were playing with a, behead the prophet, no lord shall live. Pretty cool band. Yeah. And um and we, <laughs> I mean, these two outrageously heavy bands. You know, we're playing in a little concrete bunker that wasn't a whole lot bigger than this room in your living room. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was fucking solid concrete Mm -hmm. and a bunch of gangsters got there and ended up it just was a huge fight it was just chaos (laughs) and fun (laughs) it was a really good time I don't even remember playing that night (laughs) it was fun So, anyways, then I'm just I'm just rolling through yeah, ro- story to story. Roll, if you want to interject, roll, roll. please. Burning Witch. Um, Greg quit Burning Witch and moved to LA to uh, join up with Goat Snake mm-hmm. um, with Gee and Greg Rogers and and uh, Pete Stahl.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Steve had moved to London. To uh, he was working for Misanthropy. He was working for Misanthropy, I think. And I was uh, I I was. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't in a very good space, and and had um, decided that I, I would move. Oh, I'm losing the I'm losing the chronology here. What the fuck was going on? I can't remember what was going on. But anyways, one way or another, <laughs> um, Steve and Greg and I got together and recorded the first Sun record, and didn't really worry about it. And then Greg called me and asked me if I wanted to join uh, Goat Snake. Mm-hmm. Um, moved down to LA and joined Goat Snake. So I folded up my shop. I had a car shop. I quit the shop.
0: This is you owned the
1: shop? hmm okay. Yeah, right up, right up the street from here. Yeah. And um, folded the shop and moved to LA and joined Goat Snake. This
0: and is after like their first album?
1: This was after after one, yeah. Okay. This was after the first album and Guy had joined I can't remember what what band Guy joined. As, Acid King, I wanna say? Oh, okay. I think so. So they were looking for a bass player and Greg asked me to, if if I'd like to try and I went down and I knew all the songs and, and it worked out great. Um, we did a goat snake sun tour of Europe. It was interesting because I, 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 Greg and I both were playing in both bands, of course. Uh-huh. Um, so it was Greg, Steve, and I opening up, and then and then, Greg, Greg Rogers, Pete Stahl, and I as the next band, and then it, I think we were touring with uh, Orange Goblin at the time. Oh
0: yeah, w- um, was Sun doing the robes right away? No. no okay. This is. So I was going to say you could at least get away, like no one would know it was you if you had the robes on, but. <laughs> no, what
1: we okay. the the robes actually came, after. Was it after that tour? The robes came... Well, the robes came before that tour, but then we kind of dropped them and instead started... We we had all the gear set up on front of the stage, and then we would just huddle
0: oh. behind
1: the all wow. you know, these massive stacks. <laughs> <clears throat> and they were they were right... <clears throat> pardon me, on the front of the stage. Jesus. And we would just huddle in and behind cool, them. That's pretty cool, actually. It was pretty cool. <laughs> there's, there's photographs and some magazines. I didn't know that. Yeah, like that. that's cool. But anyways... So we we had done this this tour of of UK and and a, just a little bit of Europe, um, and it was ending up in uh, the final show was in Netherlands. Um, we had a show in Amsterdam and then a show somewhere else in Netherlands. I can't remember the where the other show was. But the show in Amsterdam, Sun was not playing. It was just Goat Snake and Nebula. I, th- I think we were opening up for Nebula. Sure. At at this big ass club. Uh, it was Milky Way. That's what okay. it's called. Um, Steve and I, since Sun wasn't playing, Steve and I decided that we would go and, and find some mushrooms and take mushrooms
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh, maybe eat some pot brownies and stuff. This is actually the last time I did anything with weed. <laughs> and um, so we did. We found mushrooms, of course, and they, they ate our brownies and everything. And then i get back to the club, and it's like, Goat Snake, you're, you're going on in 10 minutes. i like, oh, Fuck you know so I get my bass on and about ten minutes into the set I'm starting to kind of get high and yeah. starting to peak a little bit on mushrooms and stuff like that. Oh, by the time we were done, shit. by the time we were done I was I was fucked up, and um, <laughs> and Steve and I were just like, do you know that cartoon the uh, fabulous furry freak brothers? do you know Oh that, yeah that yeah. Cartoon? The way they walk around with their legs straight, they're kind of like Yep. <laughs> we just had this wasted stride and we just left the club didn't didn't stay for nebula at all and uh decided that we would just walk around and and check out amsterdam you know from this new enhanced perspective right and uh (laughs) amsterdam is the easiest city to find your way around in unless you're fucked up on mushrooms (laughs) we got totally lost Mm -hmm. completely lost I mean and all it is it's just a series of concentric rings you know and then you've got central station in the middle of it. Well we got so lost we couldn't find the club. Somehow managed to figure out how to get back to at least central station so we knew you know our starting point and by right. this time we were we were just out of our minds. Yeah. <laughs> and decided, said well we'd better just sleep here in the on the bench here at central station and uh, <laughs> and, uh Tried to sleep, you know, and woke up the next morning. We had no idea where where the van was and if those people were even still in town or anything like that. No so cell we, phones,
0: I assume. No still, cell yeah. phones.
1: <laughs> and uh, so we we uh, decided, well, let's take a train to the next city. And I wish I could remember what the what the name of that city is, but I, I can't. So we get, get on the train, and um, we're heading out, and, you know, we haven't really slept all night because you can't sleep on a yeah. bench. We're heading out, and kind of were getting a little comfortable and fell asleep and uh, woke up and we would like way overshot where we were supposed to be getting off just by a mile and uh by many miles I should be saying um, so we get off in this in this like nowhere train station just nothing was there mm. walk around go on to the tracks and walk up the other side and wait for a train that's going the other direction to take us home take us back to the city and uh it was still, it was only like 9 o'clock in the morning.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, this train pulls up, and there's all these people on there who are uh, uh, going to a soccer match, a football match mm-hmm. somewhere. And they're like all just ripper on drunk, chanting and yelling. And, yeah, and Steve and I were, were both just like, holy fuck. Whatever. You know, we're all still, yeah. we're still tripping. Ended up getting back. Oh, not Eindhoven. I can't remember the name of the city. I'm sorry. But anyways, we get back. We finally get there. Get off at the train station that we're supposed to be at and don't know where we are you know we don't know where the venue is or anything still have no way to get a hold of anybody right walk down to the bottom of the of the station stairs onto the street and we like i remember looking to the left and the club was right there just bam it was amazing got there in time for sound check and uh, pulled it off that was
0: was Was this uh had you guys been to europe before or was this like the first
1: that was the first sun goat snake (laughs) awesome Trip to Europe. I think that was the first time any of us had actually toured Europe. Um, although Steve, I think, had lived there, and I'd, I'd been there when I was a kid. But that was the first time mm-hmm. in, in a music mm-hmm. uh, situation.
0: Were the other guys like? Did they even really realize you were gone, or were they just just? Oh yeah. That, they just <laughs> assumed that you like knew what you were doing and <laughs> showed up in time or something.
1: I th- I think uh, <laughs> I think everybody kind of. I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't have I don't any idea. Know. I, I know that we were all—all all of us are screwed up. Me and Steve were the only ones who got lost, though.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We were the—we were the most messed up of the, <laughs> of the night, I think. <laughs> Of, uh, out of the Sun and Goat Snake thing, um, I started working on ASVA stuff. And ASVA went to Europe quite a few times and nothing, nothing was very eventful. We always had drivers and stuff. And um, then everybody in ASVA quit. So I, I was put in a position of first of all, I'd written a record mm-hmm. and, and I didn't have anybody to play it. Um, and ASVA has always kind of been your deal. Pretty much, yeah. Originally it was myself and Brad Moen, and, and I just ended up writing way more stuff. And all the other guys in the band are also really busy, and the previous versions of it have been extremely busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the case with it now, actually. Is it's, everybody's busy with other stuff. So anyways, I um, on a, basically I had about two months to put a band together, and did. And uh, the reason I put it together so quickly is because I'd been offered a a slot um, playing in in Berlin, and these guys were going to pay our airfare over and everything, and all Mm -hmm. I had to do was put the band together, and Mm -hmm. there there we go. And it was a big show that paid well. Uh
0: Um,
1: So, got this band together, but we didn't really have any money or anything like that, so we decided that um, we would drive ourselves, just rent a van and, and mm-hmm. drive it, which is really a snap with GPS. It's, it's not that hard. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we did and everything went great. Uh, we played in Paris. This is this is the last show we were doing was the one in Berlin. Um, we played Paris and a bunch of other places and and uh, from Paris we had our, our, uh, uh, We had a, we had a very long drive from Paris to Switzerland and somewhere in in the north of France, uh, we got gas. I was pumping the gas, and and what I what I didn't realize is that is that you know how the gas pumps here are color coded, you have green for mm-hmm. diesel and right different codes. Yeah. Well, there, that's not the way it is. They they just put whatever color plastic on, at least in this part of France, anyways. They put whatever co- whatever color of plastic <laughs> they want on. Whatever the they want. Yeah. <laughs> and and I wasn't paying attention and and um ended up filling our our diesel mercedes wagon her van thing uh full of gasoline and we because it was lo- green i guess Is yeah, it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um and so we, we and we were on top of this mountain pass and coming down the van started running kind of funny and it's like ah yeah we better pull over and we they, they have tolls there on the on the on the uh freeways we pulled off and the van died before we made it to the toll and we couldn't figure out what was going on and we're uh-huh. It's just like, fuck, you know, calling the rental agency and all this stuff. And finally, uh, Greg Gilmore and I thought maybe we'd better smell the gas tank. And sure enough, it was full of gasoline. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> so oh, God. we ended up... Uh, the, the rental place got a hold of a Mercedes dealership that was within 30 miles of there. And um, had them send out a, a flatbed tow truck to, mm-hmm. to put us to get this van on there. We pushed the van through the toll booth, paid the fucking toll, <laughs> pushing the van through there. The uh, tow truck, the flatbed tow truck shows up, and this thing, this truck must have been like 40 years old. No, no, not that old. It was just, it was just old enough to be a piece of crap, but not old enough to be a really good vehicle. Mm-hmm. And it, it just barely got that van on there, which was loaded with all our gear, and it's, it's a huge you know mm-hmm. those vans are big mm-hmm. big tour vans and you sleep in them and everything mm-hmm. and um there's only room for two people in the in the cab of this truck of, of the tow truck so the rest of us are in in the back on top of this you know yeah. in the van on top of this flatbed
0: i've done that before ridden in the tour van on top of the flatbed i, truck. I yeah. had
1: never done that before <laughs> and 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 <laughs> i mean it was beautiful country it was it was really really lovely but um we're in there and the, and the stupid GPS is still on it saying, turn around, turn around. <laughs> Keep showing this arrow insisting we make a U-turn. <laughs> and uh, so we ended up, we ended up uh, getting to the dealership and, and uh, they, they somehow cleared all that gasoline out of the van and, and got us on the road after a couple of hours. By now we had cell phones. And um, mm-hmm. we, called, we called the club in Switzerland can't remember what city it was, but it's the club's it called Bad Bond, And uh, told them we were going to be late and just drove like mad. Mm-hmm. And um, got there just after the the band in front of us was finishing. We we just barely made it. And uh, played a great set. We had a super good time. <laughs> and um, the keyboard player in, in Aswa at the time, that, that night, uh, his name's Andrew. Andrew, uh, that night from a girl, learned to... Uh, Chew come and drink beer at the same time, kind of a highlight. But driving around <laughs> is that around, that
0: like, hard? I never thought of that. I never <laughs> thought a of a problem it.
1: He, before. He said he liked it, but <laughs> mm-hmm. anyways, that that was a lot of fun, and that was that was really like nothing nothing weird ever happened with Asva ever except for that little breakdown. Um,
0: That's lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, we we never really had any problems at all. It was always pretty pretty smooth sailing. Like, oh, there is one kind of funny thing. We were uh, with the, the previous. Uh, inception of Asba, we were we were playing in Brussels. Trey Spruance, who's the guitar player in Asba at the time, was uh, very excited. We were playing in Brussels because there's a bar in Brussels where, when you order your 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 beer, mm-hmm. they they serve it in a human skull. And he was saying, "Man, we have to go there. We really? have to go there. Yeah, for like the whole
0: whole from tour. a skull bowl,
1: <laughs> drinking <That's> from <laughs> a human skull." And we're just like, "All right, I guess." I mean, I. I wasn't especially thrilled about it, but he said, Man, it's the coolest thing you've ever done. We gotta go do it. You gotta do it. Yeah. Gotta do it. So so we played our show and uh and he said that we'd walk to this club. And we did and we went to we went to van like Brussels is fun. We we finally ended up at this bar and they were just closing and they they you know, there's like eight of us in our in our entourage and they and mm-hmm. said, Oh, we'll let you up. So they take us up there and it's all it's like you're inside of a coffin, it's all red velvet in there and mm-hmm. very dark and mysterious and you sit down at this table the atmosphere
0: and the, atmosphere all works out. Oh, they yeah. they're doing their best
1: <laughs> and they've got this table that's like a coffin and all that stuff and uh-huh. and uh <laughs> so Trey goes and orders all these all these various, you know, kick ass ale's and stuff for us and, and we're all just fuck yeah, we're gonna drink out of a skull, we're gonna yeah. drink out of a skull and the guy shows up and he's got these these ceramic coffee mugs that are, like, sort of shaped like skulls, I guess. It's got these fucking coffee mugs.
0: It serves us
1: these beers and coffee mugs. It, it was a, kind of a letdown. <laughs> we were laughing about that for a long time.
0: <laughs> Did you get... Wait, were they supposed to have human skulls? And they were, like...
1: Yeah, apparently they... They were all getting they,
0: cleaned at that moment or something? I, I don't know. <laughs> they, they had
1: some kind of a health code violation or something <laughs> like that it made it so they couldn't serve their ale from their from the uh, human skulls but anyways
0: (laughs) that's not surprising i guess
1: yeah (laughs) that was that was quite a uh, kind of a uh, uh,
0: sort of (laughs) sort
1: of of. (laughs) funny though Um,
0: i was gonna so asva has uh, a new album coming out or is this out already
1: just i just handed you the last record which is which is uh asva basically myself um, uh acting as asthma and and Philip Petit who's a, a guy who I played with in in Paris. Okay. And there's uh uh Edward Cospell is on on that record from Legendary Pink Dots and and uh Jargo from Swans is on there and
0: Oh, nice. Okay. And
1: um and then there's oh, this, yeah, I see. there's this fellow on there who I had never heard of called uh, Brian Lewis Saunders who's a uh, kind of a performance spoken word sort of guy.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I think he lives in in uh Tennessee somewhere I hadn't heard of him and and he sent me just this package full of his stuff just recently mm-hmm. and and it's unbelievably <clears throat> intense some of the some of the coolest stuff I've ever heard unreal and I've, I'm
0: I'm not familiar either wow
1: holy smokes I'm 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 be, beginning to develop quite a friendship with him he's a fucking cool. intense dude really cool guy he writes me these emails that are just the sweetest emails. Have a great day, blah blah blah. You are, you know, it's just enjoy your wonderful evening and all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just so happy, happy. And he sent me, sent me the <laughs> stuff that's just, it's just so intense. It, it's amazing to think that's coming out of him, but it is.
0: The name again? The...
1: Brian Lewis Saunders.
0: Okay, uh, it's it's really. Interesting and cool how so much really, really intense music is made by incredibly nice people. Yeah. I find. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: One time I was, uh... I guess
0: you have to have that outlet and then you're really nice once you get it out or
1: something. <laughs> I, was, I was, um, I can't remember what, I. I was somewhere... And uh, I was being introduced to somebody. They, they, they We have a mutual friend, um, whoever this person was. I don't remember who this person was. And he said to my friend, That's the heaviest bass player in the world. So he was like expecting oh. some people all, all covered with dreadlocks and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, not like I'm the heaviest bass player in the world, but that's what this oh. guy was expecting. So, something quite different you've than done, what I had. Yeah, done actually. some
0: very heavy bass.
1: I I have, but I'm (laughs) certainly not the heaviest bass player in the world. called Brokaw, mm-hmm. um, we just have, have recorded and are going to be mixing a new album.
0: And you guys just went to Electric Audio.
1: We did. Right? We, okay. we went to Chicago and uh, tracked was, with um, uh, Greg Norman mm-hmm. there, which was kick-ass. And while we were there at the studio, I got a call, a, a call from a guy called Tobias Cron, who now lives here in Seattle, but at the time he lived in Antioch, Eastern Washington. And I don't know how Tobias started getting a hold of me. Maybe it was through Facebook. I don't know how he did it, but he just just started being there. Uh huh. He'd be he'd send me emails or whatever, and <laughs> and he was just there all the time. And uh, he called me while we were in Chicago and asked if we wanted to play a show on the way home in Antioch. And I was like, yeah, what the fuck, you know? Because we were just going to make the drive straight anyways. We figured we'd just drive straight and mm-hmm. stop in Antioch, play the show. That's a long drive. That's seventeen hundred miles or something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's it's
1: it's a super long drive. Yeah. So we finished a recording on a Sunday and our show was Tuesday. And we finished recording Sunday, got in the car Monday about noon and started driving to get to Antioch. And jeez Yeah, it was it was insane. We got two speeding tickets on the way.
0: Ninety? We just <clears throat> on the ninety yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: we just we just went straight down the ninety. And uh we finally get into Antioch and it's like Eight thirty 30 or 9 o'clock maybe it was later than that but we hadn't we hadn't stopped we just driven the whole way mm-hmm. and uh the, the deal is we pull into Antioch, then take it take a left so we're going away from the columbia river and we're going up this hill mm-hmm. nine miles up there's a there's a place i can't remember the name of the place it was like jones grocery or something like that uh-huh. i wish you could remember it because <laughs> and, and it's so
0: grocery in the name
1: it does so we're, <laughs> we're driving up this road it's completely pitch dark, and it and it's like fucking frogs are jumping across the road, and it's it's just the middle of nowhere. Driving up there and driving up there, and fuck, there's nothing up here, man. And and I didn't know Tobias, and I figured maybe maybe that guy's just fucking with me. Maybe I was yeah. telling this to myself. You maybe know, he's I'm, crazy. We're driving up there. <laughs> well, we drive up there, and then all of a sudden, there's this like tiny little like a shopping center or something that from like 1920s. Uh-huh. And sure enough. There's this grocery store, and we're and there were tons of people. And uh, we go pulling in, and I figure, wow, it's, it's an ancient grocery store that they've converted into a bar. Uh-huh. <laughs> we go in, and no, it's a fucking grocery store. And what they'd done is is they had, they had just pushed, like, shelves of beef jerky and apple cider and stuff, moved them <laughs> wide enough that you could set a drum set in there. Yeah. And there's, like, a Slurpee machine, and... The cash registers is right there, and and um, <laughs> they have a set up in this grocery store, and uh, there's like kids there. There's 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 people in their sixties and seventies, and, and everything fair. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is. <laughs> whole thing, so. and and there were tons of people there. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, a hundred people or something. I shouldn't say tons, but in a grocery store, well, when you're playing in front of a cash register, a hundred people is a lot. Of, yeah, it's a lot of people. It's impressive. And yeah, literally in the middle of nowhere. And uh, there's Tobias. I finally get to meet Tobias. And, and his band, uh, uh, Power Skeleton, had just played. And I don't know if you know Power Skeleton, but they're now in Seattle. And
0: I do but that's a cool name, actually. They're, I like that. I, I, I haven't seen them.
1: They are extraordinary. They mm-hmm. never repeat themselves. So anyways, they just got done playing. And we get our stuff set up. And, and uh, they start taking a collection for, for the band, you know, yeah. just taking... Donations from people, and um, we played our set. They fed us this beautiful meal, and um, gave us tons of beer, got us hotel rooms, and gave us this big tip jar full of money. Yeah, and it was it was by far more than we made the entire trip by
0: yeah
1: by triple. And you know, besides the fact that we got hotel rooms and all this other stuff, it ended up being the best show. Yeah, one of the best shows I've ever played. Frankly, in this in this. Grocery store in the middle of the
0: hills That's, of Antioch. It's awesome, and I've s- certainly found that to be true in a lot of my experiences. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You just uh, never you know what's going to happen. Places where like people just don't have people come there
1: mm-hmm.
0: ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it's like it's exciting, and then you're treated very well, and like and people are generally nice, you know. In, in oh yeah, small towns like that, so. Yeah, it was super. Like, were they into Brokaw? Yeah, <laughs> like so people in their sixties were like, "Yeah, this is fucking uh, great." I don't know about,
1: but, you, know, you know, I can't say that everybody in yeah. there was like into Brokaw, but there were, you know, there's. It doesn't take very many people to be into a band yeah. for the band to feel like fuck yeah, you know, yeah. we're succeeding here. If if three or four people are are really <laughs> excited,
0: that's oh, yeah. great, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, Definitely. Um And and in this case, you know, there were more than three or four people who were excited. There were there were quite a few people who were yeah. Who seemed, you know, genuinely glad that we were there and making a whole bunch of noise. And, it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> a good time. I mean, you were talking to me about what bands I play. I, I do play in the band Marmot vs. Mammoth, but I'm also in a Neil Young tribute band. Awesome. Um, which I've been doing for about two years now. We're called the My My Hey Hey's. And we end up a lot of places kind of more like that because... Uh-huh we're a Neil Young tribute band and we can, um, I mean, it, it opens doors for me that I've never had opened for me before as a, as a musician. Oh yeah. In those ways, you know, I've never played in a cover band or a tribute band before. Um, we've had awesome experiences like that where it's like, yeah, we're putting you up for the night and you got, you're, we're gonna feed you dinner when you come in. You end up like eating in like someone's kitchen, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. when you arrive. and feed you breakfast in the morning and then uh, trying to get you like whatever gas money or what they can possibly get to you. Yeah, the New England Tribute Band has opened a lot of interesting doors as a musician for sure.
1: Oh, I'll bet. I, I, We're actually playing I really a prison in
0: September. Really? In, in Eastern Oregon. No yeah, kidding, no kidding. Yeah. Which
1: one? Do you know do you know
0: it, what it uh, is? what is it called? Something river. I know Twi- I know inside.
1: somebody in a prison in Eastern Oregon. I don't know if it's the same one. But... It's
0: it's like right on the Columbia River Valley. It's called um, Twin Rivers, I think. That sounds good. Twin Rivers Correctional Facility.
1: Um Sounds like a great gig.
0: And it's on my birthday actually. So I'm like this is going to be a <laughs> have fucking a blast. Birthday to remember. Yeah. I believe we are going to have a blast playing the prison. I, I think you And we're will. working on booking a couple shows around that little trip now, but it's like it's worth going just to play a prison and then we'll play some other shows. And
1: yeah. I, I love Neil yeah. Young, so...
0: Me too, Yeah. I, I, I actually, well, like
1: we are talking about what is. we listen to, you know, and not yeah. listening to Sun. I, I lean way towards Neil Young.
0: You know that Neil Young's into Sun?
1: No, really?
0: Yeah, I actually read this recently that he had ordered some Sun records. From, really? Uh, Directly from Southern Lord, apparently, and uh, I don't know if you've listened to his album. It's not his most recent, but it's it's a recent album called La Noise. Mm-mm. Um, I don't know. It's kind of largely an acoustic album, but a lot of the, his acoustic songs will kind of dive into these extended, droney noise type things, and um, really, I actually, I mean, it's it's not heavy noise, but it's definitely like drone. And I was like, I wonder if Neil Young's been like listening to some drone music lately. And then I then I read this thing. I think it might have been on the Facebook page for Southern Lord, where they were like Neil Young just ordered a bunch of Sun albums.
1: Wow, that's badass. <laughs> you know, in, in some of his early stuff, he does these like yeah. one note guitar solos. Yeah, I mean that's that's the Neil Young thing.
0: Yeah, and I mean we being in a Neil Young tribute band, we we really study. Um, we watch a lot of live videos, or we did when we first started. And they get into some whacked out extended. 20, 25-minute jams on those songs. Which, oh,
1: yeah. Cortez the Killer?
0: Yeah. And and we don't. We, we keep ourselves in check because it's like, well, if we go out there and play a 25-minute version of Cortez the Killer, people are going to run for the fucking doors. But <laughs> uh, but we do play like an 8- or 9-minute version of Cortez the Killer, so uh, we just try to keep the, <laughs> keep the solos down a little bit. But, yeah, he, he, Neil Young he definitely has an experimental... Oh, side does. to him for sure he, he's
1: open to a lot of stuff I yeah. think he, I, and that's one of the things I really admire about that guy and I've seen that guy a lot of times last, last time I saw him he was uh, he had just put out this record I, I can't
0: remember what I want to say it's Green something Greenville
1: Greenville he the concept
0: just, album exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: he had just put that out
0: I'm not a fan of it but but I respect it
1: <laughs> I, I didn't get it um mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I went, and, I went and saw the show, and he did the, he did the whole Greenville thing and, and goes off stage, you know, and I'm, I'm like, well, he's going to have to do an encore, at least one. And uh, so I, I, I said, if he, if he play, plays Cortez the Killer, I'm, I'm going to vomit. And um, <laughs> he came out and plays Cortez the Killer, and instead of vomiting... I sat there and cried the whole time. Oh yeah. That that song just something about it just That's beautiful nails me. Yeah, it is it's beautiful.
0: It's actually like we I mean we practice every week that band and Cortez is the only song like we never practice it because it's really simple. It's just three Mm -hmm. chords. Yeah. But I also like if we practiced it we wouldn't it it, it requires like a certain level of just crazy improvisation and you have to be willing to just like let the song take you over and go ape shit at certain parts of it. You know? Yeah, so, it's it's a song you you, you well, can't nail
1: Stephen that said. song. If you nail it like like from a perfectionist standpoint, no. it's, it, the song is no good.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a cool thing to do. Um, my, my brother's band Silcorm, uh did a did a Neil Young thing with uh, uh, Steve Malcolmus Yeah. Um. What what was it called? Um, oh, I can't remember what it was called. But they played here in Seattle, they played at the Crocodile and stuff like that quite a few times. Was it like a
0: a tribute night or like a tribute band? Tribute band. They oh, they did I all did, Neil yeah. Young. I didn't know Steve Malcolm was ever involved in a Neil Young tribute. Or, he was with or so Silkworm, yeah. 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 Wild.
1: They 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 had toured with, with pavement. Aaron, anyway, I gotta go. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um thank, thank you.
1: you. Oh yeah. <laughs> man, thank you. Thanks for all the beer and, and uh the interview and uh,
0: Hey everyone, thanks a lot for listening to episode number 6 of the Wasted Years Podcast with G. Stewart Dahlquist. Um, man, I feel so fortunate that I've gotten to interview really uh, people that play in some of my favorite bands on this podcast, and, and Stewart is definitely one of those people. Um, I wanted to make a special note here at the end about the music that you heard on this podcast, because Stewart actually did a really cool thing, and he, when he came to do the interview, he brought me a... Uh, a mix cd that he had made that had on it um in chronological order songs from the bands that he was going to talk about so i just wanted to tell you what those songs were um well first at the top of the podcast obviously the is the theme song uh which was by me but then that went right into the song the dealer by goat snake from the album flower of disease which went into uh, the song Crocodile Law from Hungry Crocodiles based on his first story about his band Hungry Crocodiles. The next song was Warning Signs by Burning Witch. Um, the next song was the song Flower of Disease by Goat Snake. Then New World Order Rising by Asfa. And the final song that you're hearing right now is Terms of War by Brokaw. And you can get these songs. Um, you can get Burning Witch... Goat Snake and anything from Sun through the label Southern Lord which is online at southernlord.com You can purchase the Brokaw album called Interiors from the local Seattle label Good to Die online at goodtodierecords.com. And uh, Asva, it looks like you might just have to find Asva on Facebook and there's an email there and you can email Stuart directly and buy uh, any of Asva's stuff directly from him Finally, I'd just like to give a Quick shout out and thank you to Jake Weller who made this podcast possible. Thank you, Jake, and um, we will uh, we'll be back soon with some new stuff. Keep listening.